Hello and welcome to episode 22 of the Trapping Today podcast. I am your host, Jeremiah Wood from trappingtoday.com. And thanks for tuning in. It is uh, the toward the end of March as I record this and it's still winter here in northern Maine and I am still trapping. So I mentioned a while back in a podcast that um, it was just so blasted cold here and so much snow on the ground you couldn't get around you couldn't see anything um, if a guy hadn't scouted ahead of time uh, in the fall you really couldn't find any beaver lodges um, without a lot of work so I you know I pulled pulled the traps in a couple spots I had set up and went on work worked on some other things but it's uh, starting to warm up a little bit so the finally during the day when the sun's shining We've been getting above uh, above freezing in the daytime, and uh, looks like tonight's going to be down to single digits, but it's going to be up to the 40s tomorrow. So it's warming up a little bit, and it boy, it is just unbelievably pleasant to be outside right now um, compared to the you know the, weather, the way the weather's been all winter long. This is quite a nice little break. So uh, until you've dealt with uh, sub-freezing for months on end, um, it's hard to, to realize how good it can feel for it to be 35 degrees and have the sun shining, but it's pretty sweet. <laughs> so anyway, I got my snowmobile running and, and uh, went down to the river here close to the house. And You know, we're, we're in a, I, I have, I have beaver lodges, I know where they are, but the way fur prices are, I guy just I can't justify going that far uh, to trap for beaver and lose money on you know gas money and vehicle and truck potentially breaking down and getting stuck. So uh, I've been trapping you know within a couple miles of the house, and the one I just set up is less than a mile from the house. And uh, boy, it's just it's such a beautiful little area. And and the other thing I wanted to mention is you know I. I typically ice fish a, a fair bit. You know, I'm probably probably 20 days to 20 to 30 days a winter. Probably, eh, actually, probably closer to 20. And I've done that for years. And this year, I've done probably five days. And instead, I've done the beaver trapping. And the beauty of the beaver trapping is you do not see another soul. Because uh, nobody else is crazy enough to go out there and do what, what we do as trappers um, going through the ice like that. Even other trappers aren't that crazy. They wait until spring. So um, we actually are fortunate enough here in northern Maine. We have a extended beaver season that goes through the month of April. So in, in these zones up here, we can trap beaver all the way to um, the end of April. And uh, a lot changes those last couple weeks of April. The the ice goes out in in a lot of places. Uh, the big lakes still have their ice, but you know some of the smaller ponds, the ice can go out, and the the rivers will be opening up, and the beavers start getting really active. So so you can you can do quite well. But for now, boy, it's it's awesome. Go down by the river and and um, hitting these backwaters. We call them bogans up here. Uh, these in these little side channels and and finding beaver activity and, and it is just so beautiful and 
there's not a soul there. So I got the place to myself. So anyway, I, I did some scouting the, on Wednesday. I, I worked on Saturday, so I had Wednesday. I took Wednesday off, and it was such a beautiful day. And I scouted a little bit, and I found... Um, actually, the previous Sunday, I snowshoed for a couple miles looking for beaver lodges, and I couldn't find anything. And, and I think the beavers were potentially were there. I did find a nice dam and and uh, really good looking flowage but there was three and a half feet of snow and I just couldn't I could not find I found some high spots that I thought maybe there was a, a beaver house underneath and I went to investigate and and uh, it didn't look like it so there may have been some beavers in a lodge in the bank that's really well insulated and and you can't see any steam hole or anything but um, if they're there it's going to be another few weeks before I can find them so Instead, I, I on Wednesday, I decided to go a different direction, uh, further upstream on a different backwater, and I actually found two houses, two active beaver lodges within a quarter mile of each other. So that was kind of neat, and both big, nice big lodges, um, looks like quite a few beavers in there, and so uh, I had had all day Wednesday and I decided to set them up so I went home and got my stuff and and put things together I I took a bunch of pictures I actually took a couple of videos uh, that'll be going up on YouTube and I I set up so excuse me um, the 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 thing about setting up here is it, it's not as easy as it sounds so setting up involved deciding where I was gonna gonna make a set and then shoveling through about two and a half feet of snow um, in some cases a little more than that getting down to the ice layer which was kind of a granulated slushy snowy sleety type of material and then taking out the chainsaw um, going through uh, with uh, 18 inch bar on the chainsaw uh, not going all the way through the, the ice. Um, I'd, I'd make a big triangle with the chainsaw and then take my chisel and chip out big ice chunks and pull all the chunks out and then get further down with the saw. Step down a little bit further and then finally get to the layer of, of water and get through all the ice and then chip all the way through that and haul all those chunks out. And There's a lot of, a lot of moving of a lot of ice. And I did it uh, twice, once in each, near each lodge where I was too shallow by the time I got my 20 plus minute hole done. <laughs> and uh, and I ended up making um, really only three holes the entire afternoon, three three holes where I put sets in, which is, is kind of, sounds kind of pathetic. Actually, no, uh, four holes. <laughs> so sounds pathetic but it really is a full day so um, it, when you're dealing with this much ice and I I set uh, I did my snare sets so these were places that actually would probably have lent themselves really well to the uh, the, the platform the foothold leaning pole foothold set um, baited baited foothold set that's kind of a traditional late season under ice beaver trapping method for for main trappers um, the problem basically all that is is, it, is it's a, a pole uh, of 
you know, dead pole or something beaver's not going to chew on. And some bait uh, wired or nailed to the pole near near the bottom of the ice. And just below that, a foothold trap on a platform uh, on the pole where the beaver uses the trap to, to step onto to get to the bait. It works extremely well. The traps used are typically uh, number 14 jump, the number 14 Oneida jump, which uh, you don't find used anywhere else in most places because it's got teeth on the jaws and that's kind of come out of favor um, but it's allowed for under ice trapping and uh, it, it works incredibly well because you don't lose animals they, you know they can't pull out of those jaws and uh, the number four jump is often used without the teeth uh, the number three occasionally um, and then uh, the whole variety of of new beaver traps like the TS-85 um, or you know the, the larger coil other larger coil springs uh, work work extremely well um, in that case trouble with all those is you're dealing with uh, at least 15 to 20 dollars a trap and my first shed burned down and I lost all my 14 jumps that were in there and my number fours and uh, had some number number three double long springs that that work well in that set as well and uh, don't have any of them so um, I get 330s I get some 330s and I get uh, I get some snares that I built so I made a bunch of snare sets and I made yeah that was all I made I actually had had a pretty neat location where uh, <clears throat> when I was going in to investigate this beaver lodge I saw a spot where some critters have been coming out um, from under the ice and under the snow and going into the base of the beaver dam and if you've done a lot of winter trapping you've probably seen this before and it was pretty interesting what was happening was muskrats were coming out from their their den wherever the heck that was and they were coming out through a thin spot where the water had been flowing near the the uh, <clears throat> the, the beaver dam and this had been insulated by three, four feet of snow, and so the flowing water combined with the snow insulating it uh, left a big hollow area underneath where they were able to go around and travel. Well, they dug through a little layer of snow and got to the uh, the surface of the beaver dam on the downstream end, and they were chewing and feeding on the bark of the sticks, the live sticks that were used to construct this beaver dam. Um, so the muskrats were coming in and feeding on the beaver's dam, and of course the beaver, uh, being further above there and uh, locked in by two feet of ice, couldn't couldn't get out uh, um, to take advantage of that. So it was uh, it was pretty interesting. I uh, set a 110 body grip trap in in that location, and uh, just a you know typical blind set. So anyway, and I set uh, three snare sets in that lodge two next to the house where I could not find a run but uh, I I was able to I, I made some a couple sets in shallow where it was like alright I, I I cut three holes and and uh, two of them were deep enough to make sets none of them were great but I I just put two sets in abandoned the other one and then finally I I cut a hole down by the dam where we had plenty of water I figured eh Beavers are not going to be traveling here quite as much, but at least I get good water. I can make a good set, and I know they're going to check the dam. They always check the dam. 
So I went to the other spot, which was on actually a side channel to the river. The beavers hadn't really made a, much of a dam there. They were just taking advantage of water from the river. And uh, that one was looked like it was pretty active. Uh, 20 minutes, uh, maybe 30 minutes, got my hole cut, chipped out, and cleaned out. And it was, had four inches of water underneath uh, the bottom of the ice. So I f moved further out, <laughs> and frustratingly... And it was just getting, almost getting dark. And just before dark, I get a snare set made there. Um, so that was Wednesday. And Friday, I got out of work a little early. And I took my boy with me. And I said, you want to go check traps with Daddy? And he's five years old. And he, he thought that would be a pretty cool thing. Anything he could ride on the snowmobile. Uh, it, it sounds like a pretty good thing to him. And uh, he uh, he willingly came along, and we went to that first uh, beaver dam where the muskrats had been coming out. We had a muskrat in that 110, and that was the coolest thing to be able to go the very first set and check it and, and have her at. Um, and we we checked uh, the set the two sets that were um, close to the beaver lodge, but were in shallow water, and neither of those had been touched. And I thought, what is going on here? I know the, I know this has got beaver activity here. They, I know they're in here. Why, you know, maybe I just missed the, you know, the run. Maybe they're just they're coming out the opposite side of the house, which didn't seem to make sense. But um, you couldn't even tell where there was a feed bed there. There was so much snow and ice. So anyway, uh, I went back. I went down to the dam where I had that, um, that third snare set, and we had a nice big beaver in the snare. Um, so that was pretty cool. We reset that. We went on to the, to the other uh, beaver house that was on the side channel of the river. And uh, we got into that one, and the beavers had uh, had messed with it. They chewed on the pole, cut the pole in half, and did not get caught in the snare. So um, it was, again, getting close to dark, and I wanted to get things wrapped up and remake that set. So I got another pole, I remade the set, and I decided, you know what, I I don't always, I, I always shy away from baited uh, 330 sets for beaver, but, you know, snares do tend to miss a lot, and I, I haven't dialed in exactly how to prevent misses on snares, or, or, or even if it's possible, um, you know, the way I have it set up, I'm not sure if I could set it up any different and, and avoid misses. Uh, misses seem to be just part of snaring. So um, that being maybe being the case, I decided, well, you know, I'm not worried about educating beaver here by snapping a, a body grip in their face and scaring them away. So I'll go for it. So I wired a piece of aspen to uh, to one of the jaws of the, the 330 and uh, set that on a, on a pole. Uh, and I had a, that triangle I cut out for the snare set was big enough that I, I just set, had the snare pole on one side of the triangle and uh, the the baited 330 on the other corner. And I set that there and and uh, we went home and showed off our beaver and, and muskrat and worked them up in the shed. So today I went back two days after that uh, to check the sets again. And uh, again, that, those two sets by the that beaver lodge and the first dam site uh, were empty 
the uh, I went to to the down by the dam where I had the snare set that I caught the beaver in two days before, and they had fired the snares, chewed on the pole a little bit, uh, and were not caught. So, all right, here we go again, and so I actually ended up uh, setting a beta 330 there and resetting the snare pole. Uh, no, I didn't reset the snare pole because I ran out of equipment to do that. So uh, I I just set a beta 330 there. So I went to the second spot, the the Beaver Lodge on the side channel, and I checked my snare pole, and the snare pole had been chewed on, um, not completely, but they'd been working it and they fired off the snares and had not gotten caught again um, seems to be a common problem with snares so I went over to the other corner of the triangle in my hole checked the 330 and I had a big old beaver in the baited 330 set so another uh, tally another one up to the 330s uh, I've maybe I underestimated them or I, I overlooked them for fear of educating beavers and and maybe I missed out on some opportunities to catch some so for whatever that's worth um, I remade some sets and and I'll be back there probably in a day or two and and see how we do hopefully keep stacking up a few animals here close to home and uh, keep that those beavers coming in keep working in the fur shed uh, the caster the meat I need to prepare bait um, the, the tails for tail oil, the skulls, everything else will we'll make everything that we can out of it. Now on a different note, I had the opportunity to read and review Russ Carmen's Fox Professional Fox Trapping Methods book. So I wanted to talk about that for a minute or two. Um, this was an, an old fox trapping book that really, it was very popular in its day because it was written right in the height of the fur boom when fur prices were extremely high and everybody and their grandmother was getting into trapping. Uh, this was in the mid to late 1970s and uh, a lot of people I, I posted up a picture of the cover of this on on my Instagram and uh, a lot of people um, comment liked it and, and a few commented that you know this was the first uh, one of the first trapping books they ever read and so um, it has has quite a history um, so this is a follow-up to Russ's original fox trapping methods and uh, he he decided in 1978 to take that book and kind of uh, adapt it to more of a the, the, the original one was in 1969 uh, Russ Carmen fox trapping methods um, and it was actually published, he wrote it in 69, it was published in 71. And that was the time when fur prices were just starting to go up. And uh, it was a good book, a lot of people got, got their start, but a lot changed. And uh, the whole professional trapping thing kind of got going. And uh, he, he sort of adapted this book towards a more advanced uh, trapper. So it's it's a really interesting book, and and it I I've no doubt it was you know top of the line methodology and equipment and stuff for for the period of time in the 70s. Um, he goes over you know start to finish uh, the equipment needed, how to set up a, a trap line, locations, uh, how to catch a fox, different sets, uh, using lures, um, and all that stuff. 
and I guess just the you know the high points is basically uh, he the the prevailing belief of the time was being extremely 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 uh, cautious careful and uh, meticulous when it came to scent uh, and and he you know oh very much over and over and over talked about minimizing scent at a set uh, keeping the cleanest equipment possible and uh, and so on and and you know nowadays that maybe has been downplayed quite a bit like you know some guys will just set a trap untreated trap with the bare hands and be able to catch fox so uh, who knows if that you know more trapping pressure back then maybe maybe there were some smarter fox they were running into um, and and so on but but there was a lot of uh, a lot of focus on equipment and cleanliness and, and scent control uh, the locations were pretty cool he had lots of good pictures a lot of farmland that he trapped in so uh, a little bit of woods but a lot of pictures of farmland locations what to look for where you make sets um, he, he went into, uh, a little bit of gray fox stuff, uh, both, so he covered both red and gray, but it was mostly red fox. Um, the dirt hole sets, uh, different variations of the dirt hole set, um, the scent post set, and then he talked about the flat set, and kind of the scent post and the flat set are kind of, to me, they're kind of similar. Um, uh, of course, the, the flat set is kind of that the Western adaptation of the scent post set where you didn't have a, a lot of necessarily a lot of uh, trees or posts that uh, bushes so that you you know a lot of Western trappers would use uh, other things that were available out in the open plains um, but anyway a pretty cool book uh, well very well written Russ Carmen uh, I think is is one of the better uh, writers in the trapping uh, game so uh, he, yeah, he he did a great job. It's a great read. Um, if if you you know you're not gonna be able to look at that and say, oh, this is the way I gotta do things. He, for instance, he used he was trapping fox, and the coyotes hadn't gone into that country yet. Uh, he was in the east, and so t- today you wouldn't be able to use those methods because um, you'd be overrun with coyotes. The traps they'd pull out of the traps. Uh, he was using wooden stakes, which is kind of unthinkable nowadays. You know, we'd use uh, either rebar or uh, earth disposable stakes or earth anchors. And uh, we used, you know, bigger traps. We didn't use a one and a half or one and three quarter. Even like the number two Victor, which he really liked. Uh, I've seen I've seen coyotes tear that trap to pieces, literally. So anyway, um, other than that, just fox trapping. If you're looking for fox trapping methods, that's pretty cool. And... It's got a lot of interesting information that is very much still valid today. And for guys like me thinking lure making, he does have a few ideas on making fox lures. So I have uh, on trappingtoday.com, just go in there and search Russ Carmen, and you'll find that re- I have a review I wrote on the book and uh, links that you can click on to, uh, to purchase it if you're interested. All right. So, it is getting late, and I've got to get my butt to bed and get to work tomorrow. So, 
You know what? I'm going to finish this podcast a little early tonight. I hope it was useful and uh, just a little, you know, a little update on on what I've been doing in the beaver trap line. You know, a lot of people are done trapping, so I hope that was somewhat interesting to you. Um, if you can't continue to trap in your state, that there's you know still some places we're able to do some stuff, um, or maybe you uh, you're a, a kindred spirit and another fellow trapper that can trap right now and and uh and uh just a little bit of knowledge that you're not the only one out there doing it so anyway uh i've got a few other things that i'm going to cover in the next episode uh we'll go back into uh into the lure making stuff so uh we'll talk next episode about uh bait bait preservation um in in lure and bait making and different, you know, preservatives you can use. We'll talk about beaver tail oil, how to make it, what it's used for. Um, some of the online resources that are available for uh, making your own lures and baits. Um, a little, little bit maybe about perfumery. I've been, I've been sniffing lures with my boys and trying to test myself and and uh, test my nose and been taking, uh, doing a little bit of. Uh, research online on the perfume trade and how they make perfumes and and all that stuff to try to get some more background information definitely a lot of parallels to perfumery and trapping lure making Um, and then uh, at some point next episode or the one after we're going to talk about uh, the long distance call lure that I formulated and we'll share I'll share with you the exact ingredients of that so anyway um, thanks for tuning in appreciate your time and uh, keep on talking trapping thinking trapping and if you're not trapping prep preparation for next year's trapping season can never be too soon anyway thanks a lot have a great night and we'll talk to you on the next episode